Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am speaking here on Tuesday, uh, about midday, and we've got still just a ton of volatility in the markets. The Dow is up 1,700 points as I speak on the prospect of uh, the Congress and, and Senate finally getting their act together and pushing through uh, some sort of coronavirus relief package. And this is going to be the big one that totals a trillion or two trillion or whatever the dollar amount is. Um, watching this whole thing kind of in progress and watching the news, which I tried to do less of lately. It's it's largely useless to pay attention to these news programs, but it really just makes me think that <laughs> we've got to just do away with professional politicians in this country. I don't know how that ever became a job, how a person could become a politician and and be a politician for their entire life without having any sort of real-world experience. But it's very clear by watching these negotiations, and it's very clear by watching and, and listening to some of these people talk on TV, and, and I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. I think both of them are guilty of this. It's very clear that some of these people have no experience of any kind in the real world. And this crisis that we're involved in right now, um, it doesn't hit home for them because they're guaranteed paychecks, they're guaranteed Cadillac health care, they're guaranteed pensions. Um, that's not the case for a lot of other people in the country right now. And I just, I don't feel that they're doing justice to the people that they represent, which is us the citizens, the taxpayers, um, it's a totally different conversation, uh, maybe for a, a podcaster who, uh, knows more about this than me, but it just, when you get into these crisis situations and these people can't get their act together, it, it drives me nuts personally that we are the ones, uh, paying their salaries and, and they can't get the job done for the citizens of the country. But in any case, uh, put, putting that aside, it, it looks like they will finally get something done with this uh, with this enormous amount of money that they're going to put toward this coronavirus deal. And the market's reacting to that. You got big gains in the stock market. Um, I think some of the things in the ag markets are a little bit different. There's some different factors at play here. I don't necessarily know that the virus is the biggest thing at play. I think there's some other things. And I'm going to kind of run through this today market by market and talk about talk about some of the different things that are impacting each market. Um, remember, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, uh, go to Apple or Google or Spotify, which whichever podcast app that you use and subscribe. And do me a favor, if you like the podcast, you like the content, leave me a review. I could use some more reviews on Apple in particular. If you don't like the podcast, leave me a review and tell me how terrible it is. But I'd, I'd love to hear uh, some more feedback, certainly. And I appreciate those of you who have left feedback. I want to start with the soybean market. We've had a nice rally here. It was just last week that 
the May soybean contract bottomed at $8.21. And even with the market a little bit lower here, um, as I watch on midday Tuesday, we've rallied 60 cents a bushel in the May soybean contract. What's happened in that time are a few things. Uh, we've seen a big short covering event. The funds, uh, who I talk about often, I'm very fond of, of paying attention to the fund position, as you know. The funds have covered their entire short position. They were probably net long a small amount of soybeans coming into the day today. So your big short covering event there is over. Now, do they get aggressive and build up a long position here? I don't know. Um, I'm kind of almost reminded of what we saw in January. In January, right ahead of that trade deal signing, the funds cover their entire short, but never really got long aggressively in January. And then they just sold the market aggressively when they found out that the trade deal uh, didn't necessarily mean that China was going to come in and buy all of our soybeans immediately. That's what happened. And, and you could see something similar uh, this time around. So from a technical standpoint, you've seen you've seen a pretty sharp rally here. You've seen short covering from the funds. Uh, those are two things that I believe are important. Now, what are the fundamental factors at play here? Uh, you can make some argument, but I think there's a few things going on. So China is apparently experiencing a shortage of soybean meal and a shortage of soybeans. And it's not because we're undersupplied globally or because somebody had a crop problem. It mostly has to do with logistics, I believe. So you had coronavirus in China. And I think as a result, they were left with this big backlog of shipments at ports. And I think that soybeans may have been low priority compared to some other things. So I think that's part of it. I think that's part of the reason why we've heard reports of meal shortages and soybean shortages in China. We've even heard reports that some of the crushers in China have uh, just stopped processing because they can't get the beans. Um, that's So that's your first part. The second part is also tied to the virus, but it has to do with South America. Brazil and Argentina both are experiencing some logistics issues as a result of this virus. You've had, I think there's been a, a couple of different uh, towns in particular that have, have totally uh, banned or restricted exports. There have been, there's been talk of union workers going on strike. They don't want to go to work because they don't want to catch the virus. So I think that South America maybe is not as far along with this virus deal as we are here in, in the U.S. or China is. So that's part of it, too. If if China isn't able to get the beans from Brazil or Argentina, where do they get the beans from? Well, you can make the argument that maybe we've got some export business headed our way. I could also make the argument that these logistics issues are very short term and that once the world gets back to functioning normally, whenever that is, and that's the big question mark, that we've got plenty of beans and South America is still going to be cheaper than the U.S. And it's still going to be cheaper to ship beans from Brazil to China than it is from the Gulf to China. So I could I can make the argument that a lot of these fundamental factors, these friendly fundamental factors I talked about are just that. They're short-term logistics issues. They're short-term. They don't really change the the fact that we're oversupplied in, in regard to soybeans. You can make that argument, definitely. Uh, another positive headline regarding China's hog numbers, the pig herd was up 2.8% last month. Um, a lot of people still talking about uh, ASF, African swine fever, and its impact, its potential impact down the road. I don't know um, if they're on the back end of that deal or not. The, the large hog producer in China has had uh, some tremendous margins to work with. They've been they've been able to make money. They've been given incentive 
to increase production and expand. And I think there's been some government subsidies. So there's been a lot of incentive there. Have they beat the virus? Have they gotten ahead of the virus um, or the, the swine fever rather? I don't know. I don't know if they're out of the woods in that regard just yet. So soybeans, again, funds probably flat to long a little bit uh, as of Tuesday. Um, we've seen a big rally. We've got some logistics issues short term. Uh, does it turn into a, a bigger issue? I don't know. The one thing I like about the bean market is that you're going to see lower acreage relative to corn. And I still have this thought in my mind that China is going to be quite a bit more aggressive in regard to new crop soybean purchases from the U.S. this year. They have no reason not to be. So I think that if I had to make a prediction, and I think I've made this prediction on, on I think maybe when I, I did AgriTalk one day, I, I talked about this, but I would, if I had to make a guess, I'd say that sometime late spring, early summer, China starts to book new crop beans quite a bit more aggressively than they had the last couple of years and maybe even gets back to, you know, like 2017 type levels or maybe even better than that if they really want a shot at at hitting these trade deal targets. All right, let's go on to wheat. And the wheat market has been kind of similar to the soybean market in that we've seen a really nice rally here. Um, your May, I, I tend to watch the um, the HRW market, maybe a little bit more than the SRW market. I think it's just because I have more customers who are HRW growers. But in any case, that May um, Kansas City contract bottomed at $4.20 uh, just last week and is trading four ninety this morning. So we've seen a 70-cent rally in the wheat market, uh, an even more sizable rally than we saw in the soybean market. So what's going on with wheat? Um, I think there's two things. We've got some strong demand domestically. You know, you go into the stores and the bread aisle is wiped clean. And and there's been a lot of demand among uh, domestic processors and millers and uh, that that from that industry. So that's the first part of it. I think maybe the bigger part of it is the situation in Russia. The Russian currency has lost a good 10% versus the U.S. dollar just since I think the 13th of this month, that's a, that's a tremendous move. So you've seen domestic wheat prices in Russia surge. There's been a little bit of discussion, I'll call it chatter. There's been a little bit of chatter regarding a potential export restriction of wheat uh, from the Russian government. And I don't know if you get to that point or not. They've, they've, it seems like we hear that story off and on um, every year almost, but I think that that chatter has circulated within the trade also. Um, demand on the export front for U.S. wheat's been pretty good, but you know, globally, even even domestically, we don't have a wheat shortage. I mean, there's there's no shortage here, and you've got a you've got a U.S. wheat harvest coming up. You've got wheat harvest in other areas of the world uh, forthcoming. So I kind of look at this the way I, I view the soybean market, and I hope I'm very wrong about this. Uh, there's a lot of short-term stuff here that's positive, but the big picture stuff, I, I still feel like there's a lot of negatives. There's a lot of negative headwinds here. Um, that doesn't mean we couldn't rally a little bit further. In fact, I hope that's exactly what happens. But um, I think you've got to view this through the through kind of a cautious lens, I guess, is, is the way that I'd put it. Um, we will go on to, I want to talk about cattle and beef just a little bit because I think the situation is, is very, very interesting. Uh, so when we first saw the virus really expand in the United States, the initial reaction was the, the funds and speculators and everybody else sold 
the cattle market, sold the feeder cattle market very, very aggressively on prospects of reduced demand, essentially. And, you know, we've always had this correlation to some extent that when we see big moves in the S&P or big moves in the Dow or in the stock market, you know, the cattle market follows suit sometimes. And and I think that that was the, the knee-jerk reaction here initially. And what unfolded after that was really very interesting. We saw nothing but upward movement in boxed beef prices. And it, it, it's almost kind of similar to the to the wheat conversation with the bread aisles being cleared. You've seen enormous uh, retail demand. And I guess it's people that are stocking up, hoarding, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you go to the grocery store and that, uh, that beef counter's empty. Well, it is in my neighborhood at least. And uh, that's part of it. So you've seen a big surge in boxed beef and, and the the futures market has realized that the cash is strong, the boxes are strong, and the futures are out of whack. And that's why we've seen you know consecutive days of limit up trade and, and a big rally in the cattle market. Now, I, have, I guess I share similar concerns here uh, that a lot of this could be short term. You know, so at some point, you'll get to a, a, a point here where everybody who wants to hoard beef has hoarded beef, and the restaurants are still closed. And I think you're going to, I think if I had to make a prediction, I'd say that you see kind of a reversion to the mean at least, and you see that, that box beef market back off and some of that demand back off. I mean, we haven't seen that yet, but I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think a couple steps ahead here, and I could see that as being a possible scenario. Now, you've got the same demand situation going on in the poultry market. I think you've got the same thing going on in the pork market domestically. So you've got people who are, I guess, buy, you know, they're clearing the shelves at the grocery store, loading the freezer and saying, I'm ready for whatever happens. And I think that that's what's helped to support this thing. But at some point, the fact that every restaurant in the country is either closed or doing minimal business uh, through carryouts and that sort of thing, that's got to matter at some point. And I, I, I think eventually you'll see a reversion to the mean in that box beef market and and maybe the cash cattle market settles down. But for the moment, um, the futures market appears as if it was very wrong. So markets markets can be wrong sometimes. And I think that's what we just saw in the cattle market I, over the last couple of weeks. I think we're correcting now to get to a more accurate price level. Uh, the, the fact that the CME increased the trading limits on that March feeder cattle contract is is very interesting to me. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen an emergency uh, limit increase, but that's what we saw here this week. And, and the March feeders never even took a shot at exploring those limits uh, today, at least. Okay, so we'll move on to corn, um, which has not enjoyed the rally that we've seen in the soybean market or in the wheat market. And uh, we actually are trading six or seven cents higher here this morning, which is a nice move for the corn market. Not only not only are you seeing um, flat price movement, but we're seeing bull spreading, uh, which is very odd for a market that appears to have just lost a big chunk of its demand base. And, and when I talk about losing demand, uh, ethanol is in big trouble. And, and you know that if you've been paying attention. Um, this This situation with Saudi Arabia and the Saudis increasing production to record levels at the same time that demand was just being destroyed as a result of this virus. It's the perfect storm of bad news for the energy markets, for your crude oil, your unleaded gasoline, your heating oil, your diesel, and also ethanol. Uh, Ethanol futures traded record lows this week. I think we got down to 80 cents a gallon or something on the board. And uh, ethanol producers in this country cannot make money. 
with those sort of ethanol prices and the, the margins are just no good right now. So there are analysts, as I've talked about before, who are just scrambling to scratch demand off the balance sheets because of reduced demand via the ethanol industry. Um, and it could be 100 million bushels this year. It could be 200 million bushels this year. It could be 300, 400 million bushels this year. We just don't know. We saw the headline yesterday that Poet, who is the largest ethanol producer in the U.S., they've just stopped buying corn at a bunch of their locations. Um, and that's why you've probably seen basis deteriorate in a lot of areas of the country because the ethanol bid just isn't there the way that it was even just a few weeks ago. So that that Saudi situation paired with the virus situation with both both of them kind of emerged uh, at the in in a very short time frame, and uh, that's very problematic for the corn market. Now, could it could this thing just turn on a dime if the Saudis and the Russians agree to a production cut? It probably could. It could probably go the right back right the same in the exact opposite direction that it did just as fast. Uh, but we're not to that point yet, and I don't know if we get to that point. Um, so demand problems there certainly. Now, part of what's going on today makes me think that China may be sniffing around for some more corn, and that would be great. But to put it in perspective, last week, China bought about 30 million bushels of corn from uh, from exporters in the U.S. And 30 million bushels in the landscape of, of what's going on in ethanol, where we're cutting demand by 100, 200, 300 million bushels, 30 million bushels of old crop corn is not enough to put a dent in the balance sheets right now. If these sort of purchases continue and that 30 million turns into a couple hundred million, then we've got a story on our hands. And if you were to get that, say, in combination with the Saudis and Russians uh, deciding that they're going to cut production and crude is all of a sudden back at 50 bucks, you've got a real story on your hands there potentially. Uh, but th- that's all speculation. I don't know if China's going to buy more U.S. corn, and I don't know if, if the Saudis will decide to cut production anytime soon. That's a lot of, of speculation and talk, but I'm just trying, I'm always trying to think a couple of steps ahead. What's the next, what's the next big event going to be? And those are things that I see as being potentially possible. Uh, fund traders are still very heavily short the corn market. They've got to be short a hundred thousand contracts. Maybe that's part of the reason the market's up today. Maybe this is short covering. Maybe they, they decided they don't want to be short the beans. They want to be long the wheat. And maybe this short in the corn is a little too aggressive. Maybe it maybe it's as simple as that. I really don't know. Um, we did see some comments uh, just today, a, a flurry of, of uh, uh, snippets across the news wires here from the U.S. Trade Representative's office. And they're talking a lot about China. They said, uh, here, I'll kind of read through them. So the U.S. Trade Rep's office says that China has implemented streamlined process for registering new U.S. feed products for export in response to delays caused by coronavirus. Um, They're talking about many Chinese importers of U.S. goods say they are receiving tariff relief for purchases. Um, uh, Sunny Purdue says that China is moving in the right direction to implement the phase one trade deal. So, you know, up to... Really, as of just a couple of weeks ago, we hadn't really seen enough out of China and 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 ag purchases to to even think at all that they were interested in this trade deal that they signed in January. But now we're starting to see things like those purchases last week of, of corn and of HRW wheat that were confirmed. We're starting to see headlines like this. Um, we could finally be going in the right direction here. That's very possible that we're finally going in the right direction. Do they ever hit that target, $36.5 billion by the end of the calendar year? Probably not likely, but anything's possible. I, I don't think that's likely, but I it's looking more likely 
that they'll at least make an attempt at it. And if that's enough to to kind of kick the can down the road and, and keep the two sides talking and keep China buying products from the U.S., that would probably be a win, in my opinion, in my opinion, given what I know about it. So I told you I was going to do two updates a week here um, while these markets were still kind of in in chaos mode. And that is is going to continue to be my game plan here for a little bit. I hope to do another update uh, Thursday or Friday. Um, and as, as we wrap it up here today, you know, the big things going on in, in the financial markets, the Senate is, is likely to push through this coronavirus relief bill. That's going to be worth $2 trillion or, or some crazy amount of money. Um, you've got the fed talking unlimited, well, essentially committing to unlimited quantitative easing. And, uh, we've got a nice rally going in really in the soybean market and in the wheat market. And I hope the corn market can get something going. I couldn't give you a fundamental reason why other than maybe, like I said, maybe China comes back in or maybe something changes in the ethanol situation. And that's what we need desperately is a change in the, uh, ethanol situation. So uncertain times, volatility, Um, If you guys like the podcast, make sure you listen, make sure you subscribe. Uh, Grain markets and other stuff can be found on every podcast app out there, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. Make sure you leave me a review. If you like the podcast, please leave me a review. I'd really appreciate that. If you are seeking some help with your grain marketing, go to my website, go to standardgrain.com. Click on Grain Marketing Plan and check out that subscription service. It's $49 a month. You can cancel it at any time. It goes through PayPal, and it's an automatic... uh, a bill to your credit card every month. So you don't have to send checks or anything like that. And you can cancel it at any time. There's no commitment. Um, I don't, I don't rope you in anything like that, but if you want to know when and how I'm, I'm pricing, um, corn, soybeans and wheat throughout the year, that's the way to do it. It consists of an email that goes out every morning at six 30 central time and also a text message service. So, uh, check that out. everybody. Have a good one. I'm going to talk to you Thursday or Friday.